it would be great if we could open God's Word together. We're in a Revelation series, and I'm going to hand over to my friend, Wouter. Wouter, I got to see in person this week. I can see you're all very jealous of me. Uh, I got to see him in real life, in person, and uh, have a walk. And it reminded me, uh, not that I need a reminding, of what a wonderful friend he is and somebody who really cares about this church family. And we're going to uh, get to uh, hear a way in which he cares for us uh, through his teaching and the, the gift that he has in that. And so I would love for us to welcome Wouter. Why don't you go down to your reactions at the bottom and give him a big clap or a kiss or a, a joyous tears, whatever you feel most appropriate, let's welcome Wouter. Well, good morning. We continue our series in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to start off with a question. Have you ever been stuck in a situation that you just couldn't get out of? I remember a pretty embarrassing moment. I was 18 years old, I was a weekend of Soul Survivor, so I got to know Simona and I figured out pretty quickly that I really liked her. And uh, it was after one of the meetings, we were walking back in the dark and uh, out of an urge, uh, I grabbed her hand and I was gonna tell her how I felt. And at that moment, I just totally chickened out. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And I thought by myself, how on earth can I get out of this? And then I, I just looked at her hand and I said, a really nice ring you have. And then I just put her hand back. And um, well, someone still loves to tell that story to our kids today. It's worked out okay for us. But I wonder whether you have some embarrassing stories like that. In fact, you might have some serious stories about this as well, because anyone having felt vaguely stuck over the last eight months, I mean, this is what COVID has done to us, isn't it? We just felt stuck in a place where we couldn't move on. There might be other things going on in your life right now. They just make you feel stuck. Well, we've arrived in chapter six and chapter seven uh, of Revelation, and we're going to look at what happens to us when trouble comes our way and we can't find a way out. We've read in chapter four and chapter five that uh, God has a plan. He, he's holding a scroll, but no one can open it. Uh, and then John hears, except for the Lion of Judah. Now that's what he hears, but what he sees is a lamb that was slain coming forward. And this represents Jesus. And he is worthy to fulfill the purposes of God in the earth. And he starts to open the seals. And when we get to chapter six, we can see that each of the first four seals releases a horse and a rider. And it's a pretty bleak picture. They're, they're calamities that are being poured out over the earth. First of all, a white horse stands for conquest. Then we can see a red horse that stands for war. Then we can see a black horse that stands for famine. And then a fourth horse, a pale horse that stands for death. Now there's been all sorts of speculation. Is COVID one of these horsemen's? Well, I don't think that's quite how we read Revelation. It's not a chronological timeline towards the end of the days. I'm sure they asked the same question when the plague broke out. But um, what, what's happening is that these four form a picture of the troubles that have come humanity's way throughout all of time. This is true for the whole of history. We can read in verse 8 that they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. You see, for the people back in that day, this was a pretty clear reality. They lived under Roman rule. They were familiar with conquest and war. Famine happened on a regular basis and death 
had a, a lot more impact to them today than it has to us in the West now. We are almost surprised when we are hit with these things, but for them, when they read this, this was very real. Now, for us, we may get confused because this is not so much the reality of everyday life for us. We think we start to follow Jesus and, 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 and now I still face trouble. How's that possible? Well, Jesus already warned us that our troubles are not going to be fixed when we start to follow him. He says in John 16, verse 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Trouble is the reality of life. Now, I wonder... What are some of the troubles that you're currently facing? Perhaps, kids, you can join in as well. How about you grab some pen and paper and just make a short list of things that you feel you're currently up against? Maybe you can type it in your phone or speak it out to the person next to you or write it down on a piece of paper. We're going to pop a short timer up and we'll be back in a second. Well, personally, I've been wrestling with this quite a bit. I love Life Church, but there's so many things that we've not been able to do. For example, our church week in the way that we were really looking forward to be all together. So many things that we've lost over this season. I, I felt conflicted, almost stuck. There's other things in me that I felt stuck with, that I felt ambitions being dashed or being almost put on pause that just makes my, my, my soul restless. And when we're in that season, our souls cry out. How long? How long is this pandemic going to last? Uh, you might be going through difficulties and think, how long until I find a solution? Well, we can see in chapter six that when the fifth seal was opened, that same question is being asked. We can read, when he opened the fifth seal in verse nine, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Now, these are people that have died for their faith, crying out, How long? How long? And that will be true for us, isn't it? When we go through seasons of struggle, you think, How long? You just sigh, How long? Perhaps some of you kids are kind of wondering, How long? How long until I can have a, a, a normal birthday party? A sleepover with friends, um, going on a school camp. Some of you perhaps are wondering, how long is this preach going to last? Well, don't worry, we're making good headway so far. I just want you to take a little moment to examine your heart and ask yourself the question, is there a sigh in your heart? Are you asking God a question? What is that question? Why don't you go back to your list and write down 
what the question of your heart is. Now we can read that there is an answer to that sigh, how long? And we can read it in chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, Then each of them was given a white rope, and they were told to wait a little longer, until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been. What? That's not the question or the answer that we are hoping for. That's not what we want to hear. You might be asking, how long is this COVID crisis going to last? You don't want to hear a little longer until more damage has been done. We want to hear it solved. It's going to be over tomorrow, next week, by Christmas. That's what we want. But the people here are being given the answer, wait a little longer. It's like you're in the car to your favourite holiday destination and the kids in the back are crying, are we there yet? And the parents at the front saying, wait a little longer. That's not what we want to hear. We want to hear, we're there, we're here, we're there now. See, when we go through struggles, our instant response is we want a quick fix. I don't know about you, but when I go through struggles, I want to fix it. That's where my energy goes to at first. Perhaps you might even get really religious about the whole thing and really start praying and fasting for breakthrough that God will just deal with this whole thing. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes when we're pressing against the struggles and trying to get out of them, we could miss what God wants to do in the midst of it. What if God is more concerned about fulfilling his purpose in you than he is about fixing the circumstances that we're in? Let me say that again. What if God is more concerned about fulfilling his purposes in you than he is about fixing the circumstances that we're in? You see, he wants to use the circumstances that we're in to deepen our relationship with him. He wants to bring us closer. And when we are fighting against it, we might just be missing what he wants to do in it. Now, I've been fighting this battle with you over this last season, and I really felt God speaking to me about learning how to surrender in the midst of it, to learn how to embrace and let him be my hope, even if things might even get worse to ask myself the question, Jesus, what are you doing in the midst of all these circumstances? And how can I embrace that? Well, we can see that ultimately an answer will come. The sixth seal was opened. And it says, as I watched, he opened the sixth seal. And there was an earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth. As figs dropped, from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can withstand it? 
You see, there will be a day where all our struggles will be over. But that day will also be the day of judgment, the final day. The whole universe will be rolled up into the same scroll. Now, we don't really like to talk about judgment in our day. We like a preaching series about love and peace, but cycles of judgment, no, rather not. But isn't that incredibly strange? It says that in the last days, the people will be like that of Noah. People will be eating and drinking and sleeping and going to their work. And then all of a sudden, the end will come. And at that moment in time, how you are living will determine your eternity. Either be with Jesus for everlasting glory, or you'll be going to everlasting ruin and regret without Jesus. So therefore, today counts. Shouldn't we live with a sense of agony for our friends and our family members, that there might not be a tomorrow for them? Shouldn't we live with a sense of urgency to warn them for the judgment that is coming? Wouldn't it be the loving thing to point that out to them and try to win them over? Haven't we gotten this a little backwards in the West where we no longer reach out to people because we don't want to offend people? Well, my friends, I want to encourage you. Jesus loves us and he's pursuing us because he wants us to be with him with forever glory, not forever ruin. And that's why he warns us about these things. And so much of what we can read here, the symbolism, resemble Jesus. We can see that Jesus went through a dark night of the soul too. That he hung on the cross and the earth was quaking too. And he cried out too. He cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? A little bit like, oh, how long, O oh Lord? But when he cried out, there was no answer. Why was there no answer? Because the Father had forsaken him to be able to save us. Because Jesus' answer never came, we can be assured that when we cry out to the Father, his answer will come. Jesus hang on the cross for us. He died for the things that we've done wrong so that we would never be forsaken by God the Father. So when you cry out into your hour of need, you may know that God hears you. And let me encourage you, don't wait for tomorrow. If you haven't made that choice and you're listening in today, I want to encourage you, take today to pray a prayer to Jesus and say, Jesus, I accept you today. Will you come into my life? I want to plead with you. Make that an urgent decision. Don't put it off. There might not be a tomorrow. Well, then we can read in chapter seven that all things are in God's hand. A wonderful perspective. We can see that um, the angels are standing on the four corners of the earth and holding back the four winds. It, it, and in that moment, um, there is people, the servants of God, that are sealed with the mark of God. A wonderful picture. A picture of God's ownership. Now, it says that 144,000 are sealed, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. It's been a little bit confusing. Some people think that there's only space in heaven for 144,000, so we better make sure that we're one of those. And um, well, this is what John hears, but what he sees is something different, a little bit the same that we've seen in chapter four and chapter five. This time he hears the number 144,000, but what he sees is a multitude that no one could count. So what's happening here is that uh, a symbolic number of fullness is being used. And people are marked. Now, the, 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 the seal that is being described here was used in the old days uh, by kings and rulers to, to show that, for example, a letter came from their hand. It was a sense of ownership. 
And now when you, uh, uh, for example, get a, a package for the post from uh, Amazon or whatever, uh, it's sealed as well. It's sealed, um, uh, first of all, with a mark so you know where it comes from, but it's also sealed to make sure that it's, it's protected and it's, 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 it's well preserved so when you get it, it's in one piece. Now, here we can see that the image of both of these are true for us. You may know that when you follow Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, it says in Scripture. So you are God's own. You are God's own. God has marked you with his seal and he will seal you and he will preserve you through the struggles until the day when he will return. He will be with us. And it is so beautiful to see a multitude that no one can count. And uh, when we can see the 144,000, uh, it's explained to John in verse um, 14. It says, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. When you choose to follow Jesus, you are washed clean. All your mistakes will be forgotten. And when you come before the throne of God, you are accepted. What a wonderful picture. And that just changes our perspective. Even in the midst of the struggles, we may know that we are preserved. And it says at the end of chapter 7 that all our tears one day will be wiped away. In the midst of the trouble, we may know that we are sealed with God's mark, that we are his own, and that he will not forget about us, and that he will be for us and with us. And then we can read in uh, verse 9 of chapter 7, a wonderful promise of what's going to be true in heaven. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, what a wonderful picture. We are going to be standing before God's throne, and there's going to be such a wonderful crowd. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion. Well, this, this crowd is going to be made up of every tribe, nation, and tongue. It's going to be a wonderful glorifying picture of us worshipping together. And what do we shout? We shout salvation belongs to our God. You see, God is the king of salvation. Uh, we know the expression, the king of football from, uh, for Ronaldo, or uh, the king of rock, or the king of pop. Well, well, God is the king of salvation. Salvation is his. It's what he does. It's, it's his nature. Salvation belongs to God. He, he can't help save people. And he wants to save you today. And once we follow him, he wants to continue to be saving us. So when we go through struggles and we cry out, how long, O oh Lord, and we've got no place to go and we surrender ourselves to God, we may be assured that he will be saving us. He might not be fixing everything in your life straight away, but you may be assured that he is saving you. He's doing a work in you in that moment. And he has marked you for eternity with his seal. You are his. And we will be standing in that crowd for eternity, worshipping together. What a wonderful promise. Well, at the end of this time, I want to take some time to uh, respond together. I want to lead you through a little bit of ministry together to surrender to God. So uh, I want to ask you just to find a quiet space for a moment to do away with distractions, uh, to surrender yourself. Perhaps you want to close your eyes or open your hands, whatever you feel comfortable to. And uh, why don't you grab your list of struggles that you wrote at the start? Why don't you place those in your hands? Why don't you lift them up to God? 
and say, God, here are the things that I am wrestling with. Here are my struggles, my troubles. And uh, here's my cry. What I love you to do is, 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 is just crunch it up, like crunch it up in a bowl. And uh, uh, I think you can chuck it to God, whatever you like. Uh, you can throw it up to him symbolically, but give it to him. Give your struggles, your troubles to him. And then I want to ask you to, to open your hands and to surrender. So, Father, here I am. I want to surrender myself in the midst of struggle. In the midst of trouble, I come to you. I want to embrace what you have for me. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop pushing. I'm going to surrender to you. And I would love you to ask Jesus to speak to you and say, what is it that he wants to bring to you through this season, through this struggle? What is he bringing into your life? So just listen to what he might say to you and just receive it. As we receive what he has for us, let me encourage you to position yourself to receive this from him, to embrace this, to continue to surrender. Let's, let's pray that. Lord, thank you that you are the author of salvation. Thank you that you are everything we need. Thank you that you save us and you continue to save us. I pray for those who haven't given their life to you yet, Lord, I pray that they will for our friends, our neighbours, our family members. Will you save them? And I pray for us, Lord, will you continue to save us in the midst of struggle, not just from the things that we're in, Lord Father, but from our hearts, Lord, that so often draw away from you. Will you draw us close? Will you save us? And will you bring us into your presence? Help us to lift our heads to you, to your greatness salvation belongs to you it's what you do in jesus name amen amen what a wonderful encouragement thank you valta for leading us in that a wonderful king who is above all things and he holds salvation he's the author of salvation thank you so much for joining with us church family it's been great to have you with us